Hi guys, today I was joined in the podcast by Kyle Sequeira. Kyle is currently making a big impression in Major League Rugby in America. He played rugby in high school, college, and also took some time to play in New Zealand. We go into lots of detail about his skill development, how his rugby experience was different in New Zealand compared to America. We also go into lots of detail about his scrummaging, how that's improved over the years, and what he's learned from other players. Enjoy. Yeah, um, started playing rugby when I was 14. Um, was a big football and ice hockey guy growing up uh, here in the States. And one of the things that really fascinated me about rugby was that I could run with the ball. Um, and growing up playing football, I could never run with the ball. Hmm. So uh, I had a lot of friends that were playing, so I just decided to give it a shot. Um, and, yeah, I fell in love with it pretty much immediately. Um, and then ended up graduating from high school. I uh, went to a small school called St. Bonaventure uh, in the middle of nowhere in New York State. Um, and then, yeah, pretty much right after college, I graduated, got my degree, um, decided I wanted to keep pursuing rugby and got a couple lucky breaks and ended up back in uh, Boston playing for the New England Free Jacks. Cool. So when you end up like between finishing college and playing in Boston, were you playing for any clubs? How did you end up playing? Um, yeah, so I'm from I'm out I'm actually originally from an hour outside of Boston. Um, so I'm a local guy. And then the other big thing for me was um, I came out to like the Free Jacks had like an inaugural season before we started in the MR, and uh, they just asked me if I wanted to come out and train for them over um, during my winter break in between uh, my senior year semesters, um, pretty much just, they had a ton of injuries that happened to them over the course of the next couple months. Um, and they just called me up pretty much while I was still in college. Um, and then played in the Care Cup, which is what we did for our inaugural season. So we played all the uh, Irish Academy sides, which was pretty cool experience. And then, um, I went to New Zealand for three months. So I went to a club called Sumner, which is um, where uh, Scott Robinson used to play. It's pretty cool. I got to meet him. Uh, told me I was the most likely person to have uh, come out of Kentucky, which is uh, pretty funny. Uh, and then I also played for uh, – so I went there for three months, and then I also came back to the States after that and played for, like, the local club in Boston called Mystic River. Cool. About that time in New Zealand, what did that? What did you learn there? Oh man, um, learned quite a lot actually. Like learned how like uh, an actual club worked. <laughs> like uh, we don't like the club club rugby here isn't like it is in other places in the world. It's getting there. Like there's definitely, but like to see how it actually how rugby culture actually is at a club level like that it was so cool. Um, all the people from like the local town coming out and supporting the club and whatnot. Like that was just un- un- unbelievable of an experience uh, for me. And then just from like the rugby side, uh, a lot of like catch pass and stuff was helped out so much, just like a better, a better understanding of rugby IQ and where things go in that nature. That's pretty much uh, was a big developing skill for me going there and learning how to do that. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Have you got any examples of 
um times where you got there and maybe it was like oh fuck like this is different yeah uh right when we got there we talked like uh a lot of big things like in college and like in starting out the free jacks was talked about like our shape and like our our one three three one system and stuff like that uh and then right when i got to new zealand kind of we had like that kind of just all went out the window like it was just something the systems in place there for you that if you get off track that's something that can get you back on track um and like it's just all free flowing rugby like play what's in front of you um type of thing that's what we kind of played in new zealand um but if that didn't work you could just go back to the the system you have in place but the first key message was just play what's in front of you and things will start opening up um and that was a big it's kind of hard for me to understand at first because I went from always being into the system, followed the game plan, to now it's just like just play what's in front. Um, yeah, it was it was a big learning curve for me. Do you have any times where you sort of struggled with the confidence to just do that after being used to such a different way of playing? Uh, I mean, yeah, I just like. You just have to. I think at the end of the day, you just have to be confident in yourself. Like I, like even if no one else thinks you could, you're able to do it. Um, at least try. Like you have to have some confidence, and your biggest supporter always has to be yourself, no matter what, what whatever you're doing in rugby. Uh, you just have to back yourself, and mistakes happen. Like it's it's part of the game. Um, you're gonna mess up, so might as well just back yourself and try to do it, then not try it at all, and live in not then not improve. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think a lot of the times, especially when you get coaches who are so focused on winning, um, it can be it can be a difficult environment to just back yourself and trust yourself. And if you make a mistake and say you're on the bench the next week, you might be totally scared of like making a mistake ever like that again. Yeah, totally. But you just gotta I just have to let it go, man. Like it's just, it's just one of those things. You can't you can't let it bother you as a as a player. Like you try something, it messes up. All right. It's all like you can't focus on negativity there. You just have to push through and just keep going. Just keep going as a as a person and a player. because uh, you will get another another chance. Yeah. Yeah. Um I wanna I'm quite interested. Like, have you got any sort of examples of times where you like you really made a mistake and had to get over it? Oh man. Um, all right, and a good example would be, um, when we're actually in New Zealand, um, it, it wasn't more of a mistake, just probably, we had a scrum on their five meter, and I got penalized, and so after that, that was my first time playing in the, like, the Prem 1 game, so, like, the top sides of the club, um, pretty much after that, yeah, it didn't really see much of the field on the on the first side um and yeah i mean i just had to man up and say yeah that was my mistake to the to the guys uh coaching staff they they pretty much sat me down they're like yeah like we don't we don't trust you in this situations um but like i just had to use that as like my motivation to get better and to persevere through it and go and make myself better pretty much and just taking their critiques and make myself better as, as a, as an individual and was able to just push past it and try to get another opportunity, which I ended up doing. And I actually performed pretty well. So I want to ask about, I can imagine 
that period where you left college, um, like, did you have many people doubting you, saying, why, why are you chasing this rugby? Especially in, in America, where I can imagine, obviously, since the game isn't as big, people might just think, like, what are you doing? Did you have any of that? Yeah, uh, I still get that. I still get that now, man. <laughs> like, uh, um, there's always going to be people that are that are negative to you and about you, um, and you can't like. There's people all the time on online writing stuff about about everybody, about the team, about where you are uh, as a player. Um, how how are you playing right now in, in the MLR? Like, how are you? Why are you getting picked for these games? All that, all that stuff. Um, and honestly, like I, I use it as motivation to prove I'm a big mo- motivator of that like that motivates me to pr- want to prove them wrong. Uh, it's actually it, it's a more rewarding feeling uh, to prove people wrong. A couple weeks ago, I had someone come up to me after the game who I've, who I've known for a couple of years and they they came up to me and they said, I never thought that you would have started a game in the MLR. Uh, and he's like, I own that as a, as a player or as a person, but I, he's like, I seriously thought you didn't have enough or what it took to be a, be a starter in the MLR. Um, and it's like, <laughs> like, I don't even know what to say to that. Like, I was just like, yeah, that's, uh, but it's just a good feeling. Like you get to prove people wrong. Like it's probably like one of the most rewarding feelings you'll ever have. Yeah, have you always had that self belief? Uh, I mean, yeah. If I don't believe myself, and everyone else is doubting me, like you just put yourself in a, a huge hole, um, and you're kind of just like stuck there. Like you don't know what to do as a as a player. Um, but if you believe in yourself and you don't listen to the outside noises, um, you, you're going to be in a better spot no matter what. Um. Because at the end of the day, you know what you put into what you do to craft your your game. So you might as well just back yourself. And if you put in the work, you know you're going to go and do well. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad I asked that. Um, I want to talk a bit about Major League Rugby. What sort of changes have you seen over the last few years? Um, just what's the whole sort of experience like for you playing in there? Yeah, um, Definitely from the first year till now, there's definitely a lot more of uh, American development that's been happening. Uh, a lot more American players are actually getting a lot more game time, which is really, really good. Um, but even at, as like uh, the club level itself too, like it's, well, I mean like the clubs in the in the teams or in the league, I'm better much saying, um, like the facilities are getting better. Uh, there's definitely a lot more fans um, like from year one till now, we probably the Freezer Jackson alone have probably gained about I'd say close to a thousand fans from year one till now, which is a huge step up because no one no one really knows rugby here. Um, and there's just huge huge opportunity for rugby here in the states. Um, yeah, I'd say the biggest two things are just like the more American talent is coming through, and actually it's actually paying off for the the league. Uh, because those guys you actually market and push those to uh, other people uh, that don't know about rugby, but then you could have them dream about being an actual professional rugby athlete, which is pretty cool. Um, and then the second thing is just like the growth of the fan bases around the league has been a- astronomical. Um, 
like you see, you go watch games from the first year and there's probably like 500 people there. Uh, and now there's at every game, there's probably close to a couple thousand, uh, definitely more than that. So it's, it's cool to see. Yeah, it's definitely growing a lot. What do you think is holding Major League Rugby and rugby in America back? Oh, man. Um, the big thing is probably the advertising because they can't get on they can't get on TV on like a huge provider because of football and whatnot and all the advertising that it brings brings to the sport. Um, so like money, money is obviously like the thing that's probably holding them back a little bit. Um, but the optimistic thing now is like the World Cup is coming here in, in 2031 and 2033. Um, so I think there's a big backing by the government to make a good, big push for rugby here in the States. So I think it's just a matter of time before it, it all opens up and it's going to be a huge, huge thing. I'm interested to know, is, is there an academy system in all the MLR clubs? How does that work? And how does just the whole um, like youth coming through sort of work? Yeah, so the way I, I see a lot of it, um, so like here at the Free Jacks, they have like uh, an independent side. So that's like um, the, the A side pretty much from the academy. Um, but those guys like are all from local clubs in the area. They practice like once or twice a week and then they have a couple of games during the season um, on a Saturday or something. And then they have like a, they have an under 23 team, an under 18 team. Um, and under 16 team um, with the hopes that it pushes to like a legit academy like like we're talking about um, but it's just tough here because of rugby only happens in the spring here uh, and then football and whatnot happens in the in the fall um, and it's quite tough because then if you're gonna have those guys in the academy you're gonna take them away from your high schools and your colleges and whatnot and I don't think we've reached the point where it's not that big of a game yet where we could start pulling guys from high schools and universities to make them a full-time academy player. Um, so I think a lot, a lot of the MLR right now is doing a good job of just having guys come in and getting looks. Uh, so maybe eventually they're able to push for the senior side. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I want to talk a bit about your sort of game and just like your skill set in general so like talk to me about like how what you've improved on the most over the years and like where you're at as opposed to where you yeah, are yeah um i think uh so what do you mean like my biggest improvement since i've been into the mlr or like biggest improvement overall yeah just just sort of like overall from when you're a younger player to now all right uh i mean yeah I've, when i started playing rugby like, i couldn't even pass the ball pretty much i was just out there uh running around uh not even knowing the rules or anything um i just say from from high school to college like i'll break it up to like this so like from high school to college uh my biggest improvement is probably my my skill set um just because like we had a in college i had a fijian coach um and we constantly were working skills uh pretty much couldn't even see the the field until you passed your left hand um, you wouldn't be able to practice anything. So like you just had to get into the system and learn the, learn how to pass correctly, uh, things like that. And I'd say my biggest, my biggest jump from college to MLR is probably my scrumging. Uh, and I never really worked on my scrumging much in high school and college. 
Uh, and then to come here and now it's such an important part of the game, obviously. Um, and to go against guys from that have grown up scrummaging, uh, definitely was a huge learning curve that I had to wrap my head around. Um, it's not something that's totally easy. So I see that's my biggest improvement since I've come into the league. Yeah. For guys trying to, or girls trying to improve their scrummaging, what are the main things that they should be focusing on? All right. I'd say the main things you're focusing on, uh, definitely your setup. Um, so making sure your, your feet aren't too far apart. Uh, make sure your shoulders are pinched back. Um, you're coming down over your feet and you're not in an unbalanced position. Make sure your balance is such a key point of scrumaging. Like the only thing anyone ever says is balance, balance, balance which is so true because if you're not balanced, the scrum is just going to go down or something bad's going to happen. But I'd say 70 to 80% of the, how a scrum is going to go is based on your setup. So if you can get your setup right, you're going to be in a good, good spot. Yeah. How many like reps would you say you get through an average week? Um, and like, like just what does your, what does your week look like in terms of your scrums? Yes, I'd say uh, we usually do a lot of our scrummaging on, uh, so like on a day like today, so like a, a two days or three days before before a match, um, and we're usually doing for not having a quick turnaround. Uh, we're probably usually doing about uh, I'd say close to six to ten scrums. Um, so that's per week, and then plus whatever a game day would entail. So pretty much we're going to try to do um, a game's worth of scrums in one unit session, um, which isn't isn't that bad. But then I also go on my own time. I'll do do my setups in, on my own at the gym, uh, make sure I'm doing all those little things that like we talked about, like as a team, uh, going into that week and whatnot. Um, and then if I, if I feel strong enough in there, like I'll be good. If I need more work, I'll go on the med ball push it on the ground, get in my scrum position, push it forward, chase my feet, uh, things like that. So uh, it's definitely like a full-time thing that I'm constantly thinking about. Is there any sort of additional work you do to look after your body, specifically for scrums? Oh, for scrums? Uh, definitely watch yourself when you do scrummage. Watch your videos um so you can see what you're doing right and what what you're doing wrong um and just yeah i the, the biggest thing i think for me because i'm a visual learner so i learned from when i watched myself do it um and i think a, a lot of people could learn their mistakes and then go and improve them um just by just watching a lot, a lot of just watching themselves do their setup and whatnot yeah who have you learned the most off from your scrums? Who have I learned the most off? Yeah. Oh, man. Um, <clears throat> all right. Uh, I'd say the most I've probably learned from is probably uh, this guy's name, Seth Fagasi. He plays with the Reds right now. But uh, he's taught me a lot. Uh, he was in the, in the team last year. Um, gave me a lot of good tips and a lot of advice that I don't think I'd be where I am now without him. So. It was good to get that experience from him. Yeah, can we hear some of like the small details he was sort of telling you? 
Yeah, yeah. I actually moved from Tighthead to Loosehead when I got to the Free Jacks. Um, he pretty much told me, like, I didn't have to scrum as square as I did. Like, I didn't have to – my outside foot didn't have to drop back as to be, like, parallel with my inside foot. That makes sense. So, like, I didn't have to be, like, in a total squat position. I could have a little bit of a, a gap in between my outside and my inside foot. Um, depending on how far we set up, like, how far I want to bind – um, if there's like a huge, if the other team's like having a huge amount of pressure on their bind, like I can short on my bind to negate that. Um, how to like wh- when to hit low, when to hit high, kind of sort of things. Um, all pretty pretty good tips that I use in my repertoire now. Um, and every like the biggest thing for me too was every scrum's different. Like you can go and get beat one scrum, but they come back and you could just you just have to like. You could go and get your setup fixed, and next one you're you're solid. So I think that's like another big thing that he taught me too. Like every scrum is a, a new new scrum. Don't let the last one affect you. Cool. I want to hear like what your sort of average week looks like in terms of just like from beginning of the week to the game to recovery to the beginning of the week. Yeah. Uh, so start on Monday. Like mon- a usual Monday would be. Uh, it's actually new this year. We do like an energy bus, we call it. Um, so the, the team takes the boys out for breakfast. Um, go to like a local place. We go to a different one every week, which is kind of cool. Um, and we do like a little, just like a relaxed kind of thing. Like maybe someone had a bad game over the weekend or someone's worried about selections this coming up week. Um, and it's just like a good time to get around each other and just relax before the week starts. Um, so we do that and then we give out awards there for the week before and whatnot. Um, go to the, go to our headquarters, uh, which is usually not that far away, probably like maybe 10 minutes away. Um, do a review of the game, go work out, do a, do a preview for the, the upcoming game the week uh, ahead and then go and do like a plus session. So we'll do like a bunch of, Conditioning games and whatnot. Um, we have like many teams in our in our team, so we'll go and play for some points there. Um, the Tuesday is like a Tuesday is like a big day where we do like lineouts. Uh, anything that we installed on Monday, we'll put them into practice on Tuesday. Um, do some detail work and whatnot. Um, that would be like our big training day, and then we'll also do like a gym session there. Of a meeting in the morning, um, things like that. Wednesday, we'll usually have off. Thursday is like our compete day. So it'll be us versus the, they're the starting side versus the, we call them the Red Coats, which is a pretty good name. Uh, so it'll be like a pretty much like a game style type of practice. Um, we'll do a lot of, before practice starts, we'll do a lot of malls and, and scrums. Um, and then Friday's cabins run. Uh, Pretty low key day, stay up to feel a lot. Um, usually only about an hour. And then Saturday is, is game day. Um, go have play the game, have a feed after um, a couple beers, and then we're into the recovery. You know, uh, I've had some Normatex, so uh, that's my big recovery use. Um, Sunday, Sunday we have off, but it's a huge recovery day. So, like, I used to try to go for a walk. Uh, break down all the lactic acid and stuff like that. Maybe go to the beach, go for a swim, 
Oh, that sort of thing. Yeah, it's usually a normal, normal week for me. Nice, nice. I'm interested to hear about your game day specifically. How, like, what's your sort of mentality like? All right. Um, um, yeah, I mean, I try to wake up, like, try to keep it as normal as possible of the day. Um, wake up usually around the same time. Uh, have the same food. And then usually up to, like, three or four hours before the game, try to start thinking about it, thinking about what I have to do um, as, a, as a player, um, what my roles are for that game, um, things like that. Uh, try not to, like, if I think too much about it, like, I'm not going to be able to do it. It's not going to go well for me. Uh, so I try to keep it short and sharp. Um, yeah, where, like, that's pretty much pretty much it. I mean, nothing too, nothing too crazy. Yeah, has it always been like that, or did you ever struggle with um, how you're sort of feeling on game day? Like, uh, never. Uh, so it's like still something I'm trying to figure out. Um, even now, like we play at like four. Sometimes we play at four thirty, and then sometimes we're playing at eight o'clock at night. Um, it's huge. It's hard to manage your time like that, and. Like sometimes, like last year, we would play games at like seven thirty at night, and then you're waking up and you've never experienced like playing that late, and you're thinking about the game, and it's nine o'clock in the morning, and you're just like thinking about it the whole rest of the day, and it's just so tiring, uh, and like you just overwork your brain trying to think about it, and you get super nervous, and get you can outthink yourself, and all that stuff. So it's just a big, big emphasis on trying to do it couple of hours before not not too short not too long uh like probably two or three hours to start thinking about the game but it's also it's different for everybody else too you know like some people might like thinking about it right when they wake up uh but other people's might not so it's all preference look mate thank you so much for coming on that's been really interesting to speak to you um if people want to sort of like message you or just like find out more about you is there uh, anywhere they should go yeah yeah just go on my instagram and we'll uh definitely chat up and i'll definitely message back so let me know